Welcome to Celebrity Book Club, the podcast where we read the memoirs of pop culture icons so you don't have to. I'm Kara. And I'm Carrie. And today's book is We're Going to Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union. Oh, I didn't know the title. That's fun. It's very good. She opens the book basically explaining to you it's it's the most I've seen a book have a mission statement before. And she basically lays out for you, I want this to feel like you are sitting across the table from me and we are having a good chat. These are the kinds of stories that I would tell with my friends and I would tell the waiter to stay close and not be a stranger and bring another bottle over. And like, I want you to feel like you're in that with me. And it does. That's how we want this podcast to feel. But because of the close nature of our relationship, I feel like we often isolate other people into... (laughs) I, I think that occasionally, usually I edit out the worst. Of oh, yes, yes, yes. But yes, I do think that like, I love the idea of putting a mission statement in the tone you want to set for your book. Gabrielle Union's book is the book that has reminded me of at least five other books we've read. That's awesome. In a way that is not negative to her at all. I think she's doing what so many other books try to do. This opening feels like what Jessica Simpson's opening tried to do. Jessica Simpson tried to make it feel like these were her like little diaries that you were getting to peek at. And while there was lots of salacious stuff in there, the writing was writing. (laughs) They were words. She wrote them. Yeah. I love when you read something and you can hear the person's voice in your head and it feels like they're talking to you. I felt like Gabrielle Union was talking to me the whole time I was reading it. That's awesome. And I think that's that's kind of the goal for a memoir, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, no ghostwriter. She does heavily thank her editor in the beginning. Amazing. But it's weird to be like, I believe this and not believe other people when they don't have a ghostwriter. But I just, I have no doubt in my mind that... These are her words and her thoughts and her opinions. I love that so much. And I can't wait to hear all about it. Would you like to walk us through a little book in 60 seconds? I would love to. Amazing. Okay. Carrie, you're going to tell us about We're Going to Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union. You read this book. Please summarize it for us. In 60 seconds, your time starts now. Gabrielle Union tells her book in a series of essays, each with their own title, very succinct, separate stories. They range from growing up between Omaha, Nebraska, and then moving in early elementary school to the very white conservative town of Pleasanton, California. She details everything from the challenges with black hair and colorism, her own journey with sex and teenage love, her brutal first marriage, her experience as a rape survivor, what it's like to be a stepmother, her prenup to Dwayne Wade, all while still managing to tell tons of great Hollywood stories about so many different things. That's great. That was less than 60 seconds. That was about uh, 45 But that sounds incredible. I do want to clarify something. I put the description of her first marriage right next to the rape survivor comment. And I want to be very clear. Her spouse did not assault her. That's good. Uh, It was not a good or healthy relationship, but there was no sexual assault in it. And I just wanted to separate those two things. 
Yeah. Thank you. Well, that sounds uh, great. And it sounds, I feel like we haven't had a book in a while that has a, like a lot of good, like meaty Hollywood stories. Here's the thing. We talk about, there are celebrity. I've thought about this in relationship to like JLo was trying to give us a lot of like, you can do it. Here's ways to move forward. Gabrielle Union tells has has a very clear dividing line of this was her life before she was famous and here's the way she behaved and moved through the world and now oh. this is her life once she made money and that she knows that those are two different things interesting a her willingness just to name names is phenomenal good and bad mostly bad <laughs> mostly good mostly good stories but she's just really comfortable name dropping them and she seems to be a person who lots of people have gotten along with That's she nice. she talks a lot she has a whole chapter in here dedicated to a time in her life where she was very much a mean girl and would trash talk other celebrities mm. so she doesn't really do that like there was a there was a whole section of her life where she did that a ton mm. and it got people to listen to her it got people to notice her but now she doesn't feel the same need to do that. And it doesn't lose any bite because of that. Instead, the things that she is being a little more, not negative, but like biting towards, they aren't individual people. She talks so much about systems and different like forms of oppression, all in the way that they have very specifically affected her. Like wow. she, she does the thing that, we, you and I talk about all the time of tell your super specific story. And if you tell that super specific story, you'll be universal. You don't have to try mm -hmm. because yeah. people will find it because I find so much common ground with a person who couldn't have had a more opposite life than I have had. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. I love that so much. It's one of my favorites I've ever read. <gasps> yes. Yeah. It's high up on the list for me. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Carol, tell me, what do you know about Gabrielle Union? I know her from various uh, films and TV things where I'm always like, who is that again? And I look her up and I'm like, ah, yes. I would always see her on like the promos for uh, Seventh Heaven is something I remember like scrolling through um, like TV channels. Is it, I always get these two mixed up, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and 10 Things I Hate About You. She is in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Okay. I, in my brain, those like, they both have the number 10 in them. Uh-huh. And I saw neither of them until years after they came out. So I can, even though I know the plots of each and can describe them, I can never remember like, you know, what it is. Yes. Yes. Uh, I know she was in that. Um, I know there's like more recent things, but I'm mostly thinking about like older things from. Sure. Because she was pretty, she has, has had a long career. She's like. She has around. had a very long career. Yeah. I would have to look up how old she is, but it's late forties. Oh, wow. And she, she really started performing, started booking work towards the end of her college career. Mm -hmm. And then she played a high schooler for 10 to 15 years. <laughs> so in your brain, in our brains, she's like probably way older, particularly for what white people know her in. <laughs> she has a sentence in a uh, part of what we're going to talk about today. That is basically like, White people will always come up to me and be like, I've known you since this. Uh -huh. And and then she says, but it was black people who kept me famous and kept me working and like kept me employed. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that's me. Because the list I'm about to read to you are 
all roles that she had turn of the millennium in teen movies that she was very, very important to me in all of them. But I fully fall into that. This is how white people know you. And yeah, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) So 10 Things I Hate About You is a crucial film for me, as is any Shakespeare teen re- um, I was going to say reenactment, and that is very much the yeah. Any reimagined Shakespearean piece as a she's the man comedy, Mm -hmm. she's the man is is a lesser tier for me. But it's just like that's the age gap slightly fair of like people who are a year younger than me ride for she's the man. This is I, I know Amanda Bynes has been through quite a lot. We should be interrogating how we as a society have supported Amanda Bynes as we should every uh, female star of a certain time period. Mm-hmm. But Amanda Bynes was never my comedy icon. That's I just, I just missed it. I was the older school, all that participants. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. See, and I was sort of like in, right in the right little window for that. Did you watch all that? You couldn't have. <clears throat> Not at home, but I would okay. watch it at my friend's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tracks. Speaking of all that, Gabrielle Union is also in the film. She's all that. <gasps> Yes. In which Gabrielle Union is so funny. In this book, she's talking about getting divorced from her first husband. And she like was writing the fictional headline in her head. And she goes, the eighth lead from She's All That's Marriage Fails. Like, <laughs> she's so cutting, cutting uh-huh. towards everyone in a way that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like she's being mean. And it's interesting that like, I can see where she had a phase where she was a mean girl because as someone who uh, talks shit about people uh, (laughs) and has for a long time, uh, I fully get that. And you, some of the fun of doing those things is like the playing with language of it all. And the way you find finding the meanest thing you can say is kind of an art form sometimes. And so that's most like specific mean thing you can say. And that, and like, that's what Gabrielle Union has throughout her whole writing. And I think like most white girls of a certain age, Gabrielle Union's most foundational role to me is that of Isis in Bring It On. Bring It On is really, really special to me. At this point, I do have to shout out my high school best friend, Shadell Wiggins, who she and I created for our speech and debate team, a 10-minute two-person version of bring it on, that we won several competitions with. Wow. It was fantastic. That's incredible. We were so good. And so it was. it's very special to me. And Gabrielle Union is very special to me. I have never seen Being Mary Jane, which is a long-running television drama that she has been on for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I do love her social media slash personal brand. Uh-huh. She is a great stepmother. And now mm-hmm. biological mother to one of her children. Mm-hmm. And she is a great advocate for how families should love their kids. Mm. At the time this book was written, her child Zaya wasn't Zaya yet. So there's like a lot of dead naming in the book, but it mm. was not dead naming at the time. Sure. And just the radical way that her and Dwayne Wade have supported their family and are modeling what love looks like is really cool. Um, Everything about Gabrielle Union is just really cool. She sounds so cool. I want to be her friend, especially after what sounds like an incredible book. (sighs) 
This book is so good. This book is so good. I had originally intended. I was about to to... say, do you want to give the backstory of this? Okay, sure. Yes. Oh, that's not what you were about to say. No, it wasn't at all. Um, (laughs) No, then say what you were going to say. Well, I will briefly say we were originally going to do this book later in the season, but uh, Kara and I both had a slew of difficulties with books being out of print this week. We sure did. So... So we bumped it up and I'm so glad we did. I think that Gabrielle Union has so much to say. I it's a it's fascinating how much overlap there is between the topics covered in this book and in Phoebe Robinson's book. Oh. But something that I kept saying during Phoebe Robinson's book was that she was very very generous to her audience. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle Union isn't that generous and for oh. me I loved that. Mhm. She just told it like it is. Wow. Oh, there's one more thing before we move on from about the author. Gabrielle Union was witness to one of the single greatest moments in culture, which is Ellen Pompeo saying, I'm not seeing enough color. (laughs) I'm not seeing enough color. And I'm not seeing enough color. We're going to, we're going to, we need to talk about it for a minute because there are three people at this uh, there are probably more people around, but there are three people in like the on shop, stage with on, on the stage who are participating in this interview. It's Ellen Pompeo, who is not seeing enough color. No, <laughs> it is Gabrielle Union, whose face is giddy, who is the she is like, oh, this is happening. Oh, I God. can't say it, but she can say it. Okay, this is great. Like, like she basically has an imaginary bowl of popcorn and is like, go off, Ellen Pompeo. Let's go. Amazing. And sitting in between the two of them is one problematic queen, Gina Rodriguez. Oh. Gina Rodriguez, who loves to use the N-word when oh, she thinks God. no one's watching, uh, who talks so much about, like, who has such a complicated uh, relationship to blackness, who does quite a bit wrong, who played a perfect character of Jane Villanueva. I do want to say I love Jane the Virgin. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez is, is complicated, to, uh-huh. say, to say the least. To say the very least. And Ellen Pompeo does, a, does good work as a, as a white ally saying that the production crew at this Hollywood Reporter event uh, should have been more diverse, should Mm -hmm. have featured people who looked different. Because the function of the panel was to talk about diversity in Hollywood, was it not? I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it was. I do know that, I think Ellen Pompeo like puts into her contracts now what she expects to see in the room. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of what she goes into in that piece. But I will, for the rest of my life, remember what Gabrielle Union's face looked like when that started, (laughs) because she was happy. Like, she was happy in a way that, like, and I'm not saying it like, oh, she shouldn't have been happy. It was, like, a joy that comes from knowing it's not on your shoulders and Mm. knowing that, like, the headline isn't going to be about you. Mm. And there's, like... But like a viewpoint that you agree with is getting yeah, out there and yeah. you are not at the swarm of this, like whatever. And frankly, it shouldn't be this way, but like nobody does what Ellen Pompeo did in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so it was truly shocking. Yeah. And 
Oh, there was one other person there. It's like Emma Roberts is there. Oh God. Like from Scream Queens. Yeah. I don't know why, but she's off in the corner adding nothing to the conversation. I think most, um, most like copies of this conversation that are available online are like, she's cut out of the frame, but I think she's there too. When we, as Gina advises us to research, um, we should watch it. <laughs> How could I forget that Gina Rodriguez yes. is the impetus for our segment, Mama, Mama Let's Research. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do not want to take any more spotlight away from Gabrielle Union, but I, it is important to talk about because she is there and she is an important piece of, of that moment. That historical moment in culture. I love that. Kara, you want to play a game? I certainly do. Okay. Today's game is Guess That Chapter! Gabrielle Union's book is 290 pages, and we do not have time to cover the entire thing. I would if I could, though. I I truly almost had a different chapter that we were going to do, and... The chapter we're doing instead is the second to last chapter in the book. And as soon as I got to it, I went, oh, well, my oh, whole this plan has is to scrapped. Be. Yeah. yeah. That's how you know a book is good. When you like have the chapter in your brain and then you switch a lesson. In it. Yes. Yes. Like I would cover this book again to do the other chapter, but this, this chapter is it. We're going to pick one iconic chapter. And truly when I say iconic, this is perhaps the most iconic chapter I've ever done. More than Leah Remini? More than Leah Remini. <gasps> I can't wait. I'm so hyped. Which means it's time to play guess that chapter. I'm going to tell you some characters and some settings. Here we go. All right. Characters are Gabrielle Union, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige, second week in a row for Mary J. Blige. Let's Good see for her. Going for a third. <laughs> Prince. Oh, <laughs> you like paused. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Prince Harry. <laughs> no, Prince. <laughs> Prince. No other. Okay, great. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Oh my God. Sanal, I bit Beyonce, Lathan. <laughs> Hill Harper, Damon Waynes, Anthony Anderson, Renee Zellweger, Selma Hayek, Penelope Cruz, Taraji P. Henson. What? Ludacris. Luda. Tony Braxton. Dave Chappelle, Sean Diddy Combs, and Dwayne Wade. Okay. The setting is various homes in LA from 2005 to 2016. I was going to say this has to be like an awards show for there to be this many people. Sure. But I guess it could also be like awards season, like parties. Hmm. And it, since the setting is so many people's homes, I'm sort of leaning towards that. Yeah, like an awards season party. Also, I'm just now remembering, who did we read last season that... Was the only, oh, was, was it Tiffany Haddish who talked to Mary J. Blige at someone's party? Yes. Yes. Mary J. Blige, this is her third appearance in Celebrity Book Club. Wow. We might have to like start putting her in the Hall of Fame. I, I think we need to go back through, you know what? Super fans, go through and listen to our, and figure out who is the most frequent appearance in the Guess That chapters. I think so far it's Cary Grant, Amy Poehler, and Mary J. Blige. You know what? I can't wait. I I love I love Mary J. Blige as a new godmother of of celebrity book club. Um, no yeah, hateration, so my- holleration. Don't the okay, so your guess is an award show party. Yeah, 
or like may- maybe various awards show parties. Well, you are partially correct. And That's, you did pretty well. Thank you. This chapter is called The Room Where It Happens. All of her chapters have names. I thought you were going to say our name after Hamilton song. <laughs> no, 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 not just this one. <laughs> Can you imagine? They, they all have names. They're, that would be wild. Hamilton does briefly come up in this, but I... Mercifully did not include it. I did not include any of that component. And it comes up so briefly in this. All right. And it all starts at a Grammy party. There were so many musicians. I was like, this has Mm -hmm. to be a party. Yeah. Gabrielle Union is at a party with a good friend, a friend who she does not name in this, but says, if you knew her, if you heard her name, you would know her and she can hang. Like she's a good time. Pause. Interesting that you were like, she names all these names, but she does not name her friend. Interesting. It's going to come up in a minute. Why? Okay. She's at this Grammy party with her friend and she gets a text from a random number that she's never seen. And this random number invites her to a different Grammy party at Prince's house. So obviously. So she grabs the friend she is with and they take a car to the random house. She is pretty sure she is being punked at this point. Like she is like, there's no way this is happening. And she gets to the door and the bouncer asks to see her phone with the text message on it. She shows it. He lets her walk through. The friend, he asks her for the same thing. She's like, oh, I'm with her. And he's like, no, you can't come in. You have to have the text message. Wow. Which is why she doesn't name this friend because she's not going to be like, this very famous person was not invited to Prince's Grammy party in 2005. <laughs> That's valid. And instead her friend is like, go in, I'm already gone. And she's like, okay, thanks, bye. Like the way these two people, one who wasn't allowed in and one who was both knew like, there's no way she's not going into that party. Right. And also like how day class A it would be to like sneak your friend into Prince's party. But also like, here's why I'm not truly a good person. Kara, Prince is dead, but the ghost of Prince invites you to a party and we're somewhere hanging out. I am gonna try a little bit to guilt you into like, my first reaction would be like, are you sure you want to go? I say that. You in particular, I would never do that to because if I guilted you even a little bit, you wouldn't go. That's so true. you are a person I would be like, no, you have to go. But other people, I'd be like, absolutely. How dare you? In this moment too, I feel like her, it's not like they were hanging out and not at a party. Yeah, she can go back to a party. She's to the other fine. party. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure it was still a good party. Right. She walks in and at first she's like, I don't, I still am not sure. Like, She's a little worried she's going into a murder house. Sure. She goes in. Everything is purple. There are purple drapes everywhere. And she's like, oh, this is happening. And the first people she sees huddled in a corner are Whitney Houston, Mary J. Blige, and Mariah Carey. Just (laughs) standing, talking. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the legends? I would evaporate. The legend in this, this room. And at this point, I do have to read from her book because I can't do it justice. And you have to get a sense for how she name drops in this because it's it's fantastic. Please. I'm going to skip the part where Mary J. Blige tells Gabrielle Union that she has a photo of the two of them together on her mantle and she sees her every day because that's just wild. Amazing. Just wild that she made it onto the mantle. Apparently, Mariah is telling a very detailed story and she talks about what a good storyteller Mariah is in this, which makes me go, yeah, I know, because this book was written before. 
her book came out and she says that then Whitney let out this amazing roar of a laugh of hers. It was like being invited to sit at a cool table. I spotted our host from across the room, sitting on the stairs, talking intently to Anthony Anderson. I asked Anthony what they talked about later. Jehovah, said Anthony. Like God? Prince was, as he would say, living in the truth. As a Jehovah's Witness rooted in his faith, he recognized that there were elements of his belief that could touch other people. And so he's talking to Anthony Anderson about Jehovah. I'm going to skip a little bit. I was mesmerized watching him, and it took Matthew McConaughey to break the spell, running by with a set of bongos. The bongos <laughs> that he got arrested with. Oh, my God. Wow, I thought, that is a thing that guy actually does. <laughs> then I saw my friend Sanal Lathan talking with Hill Harper. I spotted Damon Waynes making Renee Zellweger guffaw and Selma Hayek dancing with Penelope Cruz. Suddenly, Prince appeared in front of me. <gasps> That's like 12 names, like in right, three just sentences. boom, 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 boom. It's so, it's so good. So she talks to Prince for a little while. I know it's like <laughs> there's so much I'm still laughing about Sonali, but anyway, you should always be laughing about Sonali. <laughs> she bit me up <laughs> in the face on the face. <laughs> uh, uh, I love Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish is. The person I feel I would most be like if I were famous, which I is why I can't be famous. Because <laughs> Tiffany Haddish can pull that off in a way that I can't. Okay, but so Gabrielle Union finds herself like unable to stop word vomiting things to Prince. She's like, oh, we're Midwesterners. I should have brought a tuna casserole. Like those are the words that she is saying. Oh, God. And Prince says, I love tuna casserole. And I loved your episodes of ER. Stop. <laughs> stop right now. That can't be real. And she says, how are you watching ER? You're Prince. And he goes, I see everything. And can't you just hear that wispy little man being like, I've seen every TV. He had to die before the golden age of television. He couldn't have handled this. He really couldn't have. Oh, Prince. I see everything. (laughs) I see everything. Can you imagine? It's like also a threat too. He did like four episodes of ER. And he was like, I loved your episodes of ER. And at this point, she's like been in a lot of movies. Oh no, I think it's only one episode of ER. She's only, she was, but he loved it. He loved her in ER. I'm dead. And 2005 is like the end of ER. It's not early. Yeah, you're right. So he's, he been watching ER. Yeah. I can't wait to say that to someone. I loved your episodes of ER. (laughs) So good. So she then pivots to talking about how segregated Hollywood is, how there really is like black Hollywood, Asian Hollywood, white Hollywood, and they don't really mix. And this is where she gets into the idea of like the room where it happens. The Mm. reason why she knows Sanaa Lathan, there are tons of names I didn't even put in because they don't really like appear in the chapter, Mm -hmm. but she talks about how she knows some performers simply because they were all going out for sassy friend number one, as she calls it. Mm. So that's how she knows Zoe Saldana, Carrie Washington, Essence Adkins, Robin Lee, Sanaa, and all the Reginas, as she puts it, which is so good. All the Reginas. The way she writes is funny. Like, Yeah, she has like, she just has such a clear voice. Oh, this was the other thing I forgot to tell you that doesn't come up in this chapter. She quotes Carrie Fisher so much in this book. Really? First couple of chapters, it's like, Carrie Fisher, James Baldwin, and like W.E.B. Du Bois. Like those are the three things she's quoting nonstop. And it's just like, wow. she's it. She's 
She's the moment. She's so fucking cool. Also, like, Celebrity Book Club is the moment. Like, look at all of these things colliding in this book for us right now. This book is, like, why Celebrity Book Club exists. It's it's the not the first book since, but, like, the scale of this chapter that is almost entirely about Prince's various parties feels like the same energy as Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes' wedding. Agreed, yeah. It's just epic. So she talks about how you get to know those people and they're the people that you keep doing things with and they're the people that are supportive. And so if you find yourself surrounded by a lot of people that are like you because you're going in for these very specific audition spots. Mm -hmm. And then she says, if you are lucky enough to be like, the one black actress in the white space as she has been many times. It takes so much work to get into those rooms. And then when you're there, you have to have someone who can help you navigate that space. You have to, you Mm. have to work really, really hard at it. And so she gets, she gets into like the Oscar so white discussion and how it really works. And like, if you keep having two, three black people in a room, you're never going to, you're never going to see what you need because it takes so much to push through that. And I I think it's great. It's so well done. And so she talks about how like Prince gave room for those opportunities because he had these parties, these Mm. parties that were filled with lots of different people, but way more black people were in those spaces than in any of the other big fancy parties. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how networking happened. She then goes on to talk about what she calls our, her FUBU films, her For Us, By Us films. So the, what she calls hood classics, not cult classics. And so Deliver Us from Eva, Two Can Play at That Game. Like she was very committed to doing those movies. And she's like, and I will still do them. That's awesome. And she, this is where she makes her comment of like, now a lot of white people have been like, I have loved you since Bring It On. But the ones who made sure I had a career were black people. Mm. And this is when she pivots to talking about how white people talk about Taraji P. Henson. She'd be like, white people learned about Taraji P. Henson in Benjamin Button and Empire. And Taraji has been working. Has been Taraji around. Taraji stays yeah. working. And she says, I remember when Taraji got her first invite to one of Prince's parties. Prince was renting Katino Mobley's place and gave an outdoor concert. Taraji was pure joy, dancing and singing. Every single person at the party looked around and thought, why isn't it like this all the time? Like, a part of me has this theory that Taraji P. Henson is her friend from the beginning. Because it feels like this person finally made it to this party. And I, I'm i just curious. Like, before she was not a part of that space. Yeah, and, like, I wonder if didn't have that was an original arc in the in the chapter was, like, here's this person who was turned away and now got to be there. But that is purely Pure speculation. speculation. I have no idea. That's awesome. She talks about how she was lucky enough to go to these parties a lot and so that she really had a friendship with Prince. And she went from being nervous to talk to him and talking about tuna casseroles to being like, oh, hey, Prince, how's it going? Like, Aww. very chill. And this is when she tells perhaps my favorite story. One of the last times I saw him, he invited me to a small dinner party in Las Vegas. He was doing a residency at the Rio, and they had provided him with a palatial suite to use for his stay. Of course. In attendance that night were Ludacris, Hill Harper, Sean Robinson, Dave Chappelle, Tony Braxton, Atlanta DJ Ryan Cameron, and me. I was sitting between Luda and Tony, and we were all starving, waiting for Prince to come in and take his seat at the head of the table. Finally, he arrived, and we were served a squash soup. 
Before he started, he asked all of us to join hands in prayer. Dear Lord, he said, pausing dramatically, Jehovah. Luda, Tony, and I squeezed each other's hands at that. Honestly, I don't remember any other food because I couldn't shut up about how good the soup was, but I remember the conversation. Mm. It's so, so good. I love the idea that I get that Gabrielle Union is famous, and this is definitely where my uh, like lack of knowledge of Black films comes into play because to me, I'm like, oh my God, Gabrielle Union, you're at a thing with Ludacris. <laughs> right. To, like in your brain, they seem like they're in different. my mind. It's like, oh, how cool that she's there. Like she's just as famous. She's just she as is. famous. Yeah. Uh, but to me, there are gaps there. So like, but I'm just like, she's just holding Tony Braxton and Ludacris' hand, hand in prayer. Wild. Celebrities are not just like us. <laughs> are not just like us at all. At all. Finally, she tells the story of how she believes she owes her marriage to Prince. Oh. And that it was 2007. She had just found out that he was going to have a Golden Globes after party. <gasps> and she was getting into an elevator with Diddy to like leave the party she was at to go to, to the go Golden to Prince's party. house. Yeah, because that's what you do. And his house would change. Like he would rent different places everywhere he was. So, so good. But she gets onto the elevator with Diddy, who she just goes, always puff to me. Like just making sure we know, know her status. That uh -huh. like, she's she like, call him. I've been here. Do. Yes. And then Dwayne Wade's brother gets onto the elevator with them uh -huh. and looks at her and is like, my brother is your biggest fan. And like, he would love to like host a Miami Super Bowl party with you. So would you romantic. be interested? <laughs> I just like so stupid, but like, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. And like, it is peak celebrities are nothing like us sure. because they're going to host a party together and they've never met. Yeah. So weird, but I love it. I love it. I mean, I guess it's like the normal person version of that is like being set up on a blind date. I think it's just like putting two people's fame pockets together like I think like I think combining like other people yes <laughs> I think it's other people host parties together and don't have a romantic connection mm -hmm. and Gabrielle Union says in this she's like I met him for the first time at that party we barely talked she was like there was no spark there that night and it took like a long time of them becoming really good friends and mm -hmm. then they fell in love which mm -hmm. I just think is so sweet if she had That's never gone on that elevator to go to Prince's party no she thinks like they wouldn't have quite hit the she never would have met Dwayne Wade. So oh, it's sweet. it's so sweet. And then when Prince died, Dwayne Wade had a really hard time with it. Oh. And as <laughs> as Gabrielle Union said, he hadn't spent any time with Prince and frankly, I was a little like, hey, there's a hierarchy of grief here, you know. Like I was actually his friend. Like I knew him, you never met him, but okay, sure, you took it bad. Sure, sure. But then someone found an old audio recording of him of Prince saying that Dwayne Wade was his favorite basketball player. Which is just like that's so cool. Aww. That's so sweet. And so she like attributes Prince to like this huge thing with her marriage, which I just that's think so is so sweet. Is precious. Aww. She talks about then what it was like to mourn him and how she mourned their personal relationship. And then she started mourning his public perception mm. as stories would come out about these Prince parties. Like Prince parties suddenly became more talked about once they didn't exist anymore. Sure. And 
I'm going to read this part out loud as well. I've read a decent amount of what we're talking about because Gabrielle Union says it better than I ever can, which is a testament to what a writer she is, because I do think that like, we don't do this with all of our celebrities. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to read aloud. Yeah. And so this one is yet another example of this. As tributes froze him in that amber, I noticed that stories of his party started popping up on entertainment blogs, whitewashed accounts of people begging Justin Timberlake to sing with barely a mention of the black or brown guests at the parties. Either the authors didn't notice them or they just didn't know our names. Wow. How current. <laughs> How current. How current. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's very telling that history is, is and has always been whitewashed. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this is a stretch, but go with me on it. Sure. To quote the fictional musical, co-op the musical from the <laughs> documentary season now. of Documentary Now, there are 800 people in that building, building. So there are 800 stories that we could be telling. And I think about Prince's parties had a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And while all of those stories probably happened, while people probably did beg Justin Timberlake to get up on stage, I bet they were at a different part of the house than where Gabrielle Union was. Yeah. And I love that she put this chapter in here, not only because it's just great. It's just great. It's great like, storytelling. Yeah. Storytelling, but it's also legacy defining. Mm. She is protecting part of Prince's legacy by doing this and acknowledging totally. what he meant to black people. And I think that that's really special too. Mm-hmm. Because especially as a person who now, Prince, I'm talking about, now has a very wide fan base. Like, initially, his fan base was mostly Black people. And so to see him and his legacy fall victim to that when his whole thing in Hollywood, as you said, was to sort of merge all these different worlds is frustrating and disappointing. And you can tell in her writing that she's hurt by it. Sure. He meant something to her. But I also think rather than just be hurt by it, she made the decision to tell a story, which I think is is all the more powerful. Agreed. Like she had these very specific moments and Prince meant a lot to her, like you said. Can you imagine what it felt like in 2005 to like be deemed worthy to go to Prince's Grammy party? That's insane. Like Mariah was there. Whitney Houston was there. <sighs> the idea of, and I know they knew each other. I, I logically understand that. But to picture those women just casually, casually talking, talking to each other. Years after they recorded the single When You Believe for the DreamWorks animated picture of the Prince of Egypt. Years after the Prince of Egypt. Years after it. Years. And just hanging out at a party. And she notes still in their Grammy gowns. Like they didn't change into more comfortable clothes. They were just like, yeah, let's go. We're going to Prince's house. Who needs to change? I have so many questions about what celebrity is like mm. because she tells a lot of stories too about her childhood friends and the ones she's kept in touch with. She actually writes her last chapter is like a beautiful story of two of her close friends from high school and growing up with them and sort of the relationship she kept with them. And, and one of them passed away due to cancer mm. and she like dedicates a lot of space to that. And I just wonder, do do they have to email someone to get the phone number? Like, is it like Um, when you talk to the president, you have to get a secure line or do they have access to uh, 
Gabrielle Union also goes by Nikki because her middle name is Monique. And so most people throughout the book call her Nikki. Got it. So like, do they have like, this is Nikki's phone number and we just don't tell people about it or. Oh, I wonder. Or if it's one of those things where like how Beyonce has to change her email every week. Exactly. Yeah. That's fascinating. Like when you're. (laughs) Fuck you, Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Fuck you, Ed Sheeran. You're right up there with Alison Brie. We don't even want to know Beyonce uses email. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, it's so interesting to consider her context as a famous person in relation to Prince, who I think I would consider like a an uber famous person. Mega star, yeah. And to know that like what she is to Prince, there are people who are that to her. Yes. And like what you like you said, like what levels are there of access to people? Like how do you, you know, there's probably a million like YA novels, you know, like my best friend's a rock star. Who is sending the text message? Like does Prince personally type out, this is my address, this is where you guys are coming tonight? And who receives the text? Like, or is this all, is this all through a network of assistants? Like probably. Like who has their, who has their own cell phone? That's a great question. And do they play phone games? Oh, I'm sure. Because very few celebrities have like the breadth of social media that we do or if they do they're like not the only person that has access to it like it's not like they can just like yeah there's a team of people who have all their passwords yeah exactly and so I feel like if you are a person trying to survive in the modern world and you are looking at your phone for 18,000 hours a day like we all are right now if you're not looking at social media and you're not like reading then you're playing games you're playing candy crush you're playing bejewel blitz you're playing j-lo does ads for coin masters and i just wonder if she's ever actually played it i don't think she has i think j-lo's too busy to play phone games i would say probably some like uh i don't think like musicians fall into that category because i think there's probably like a different is j-lo a musician Karen? you know what i mean <sighs> an uh a vocal artist <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> a vocal artist with a, a dancer first. <laughs> a dancer who sings. A dancer who sings. <laughs> uh, I wish J-Lo had auditioned for musical theater programs. J-Lo should be dancer, actor, singer. Or I would even say actor, dancer, singer. She considers herself dancer, actor, singer based on her book. Okay, great. But again, we're deviating from Miss Gabrielle Union, Union who is is the moment, as you have said. I want to read this. Uh, you really should. It's that good. She's also in the process of writing a second book. Yes. So if if we want to do Celebrity go. Book Club Revenge and you want to read this next book because she's so good. I, I just might. I want to seek out even more of her performances now. And I know she's a very good performer. I I... It's not like I don't know her work, but my work is from a very specific lens. And like, I haven't seen the full range of what she does. And I would like to change that. That's so interesting that you mentioned that thing about how white people learned about Taraji P. Henson 10 years ago, but she's like had a career for 20 years before that. I will include myself in that. I like had seen her in things, but I didn't like know her by name. I also definitely only learned about Taraji P. Henson for by the time of Empire. Like, yeah, a lot of what Gabrielle Union is talking about is only cutting because it's true. Right. Because you're like, oh, that applies to me. <laughs> yes. That anecdote that you mentioned about Taraji P. Henson made me think about, uh, I follow this actor on Twitter um, named Ryan Ken. That's his handle on Twitter anyway. Yes, as do I. Someone was talking about like who is in quotes black famous. Mm -hmm. Like who's the most famous person to only black people. 
And then he was like, now there are a few like white people who are also black famous. Yes. Who like all black people know and are fans of. But I just, I, I guess when I saw that, I like knew what he meant by that, but I had never really like considered that nomenclature for it before. And it was just so interesting to me. Jay Farrow had a show on, I want to say HBO, but based on the premise for it, it was probably Showtime. Just there's a, there's a subtle difference there. <laughs> that was called Black Famous. That was about the idea of this guy who had some fame, but was trying to break through. Or, you know what? I think it was called White Famous. Mm. I'll look up and clarify for our listeners. But yes, like... Gabrielle Union is someone who falls on both sides of things, but her white fame looks very different from her black fame. Agreed. And it was just, uh, it was interesting to consider. Yeah. And funny that she mentions it as well. Mama, you want to do some research? Oh, Mama, let's research. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Celebrity Book Club. This episode of Celebrity Book Club is brought to you by Nicole Kidman thinking about death. If I was married to Keith Urban, I would have existential dread too. Hey friends, Celebrity Book Club has merch now. You can find links to buy shirts, stickers, tote bags, and more on all our socials. Check it out at Celeb Book Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Mama, let's resume. Mama, we had no choice but to both watch clips from the big television debate by Netta Porter magazine. It's its annual women in television issue that came out in 2018. We brought it up earlier in the about the author segment because Gabrielle Union is in fact there for I don't see enough color. I thought it was I'm not seeing enough, but it's I don't see I enough don't color. I don't see enough good, color. Yeah. Good to know. I don't know that I'm going to change it in my reenactment of it, <laughs> but I'll do my best. I You do reference this moment quite a bit in life. This moment is, it's foundational to, I was going to say who I am as a person, but that can't be true. You know, <laughs> it happened three years ago. <laughs> it happened three years ago. It is, it is not that at all. I love this for several reasons because it is pretty badass of Ellen Pompeo to do it. Mm -hmm. The way it makes now confirmed Emma Roberts feel so uncomfortable and she has nothing to add to the conversation. Yeah. Shows you what whiteness actually looks like Mm -hmm. and how even when there are three out of the four people in the room are speaking about this, there's still another white person who's uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think she is willfully trying to do something against it, but I think she has no idea what to say. And it's come up a lot lately of people who are scared how to be an ally because they're worried they're going to get it wrong. Right. And it's like, it's like, just say something. You, you're you going to get it wrong. Yeah. I can give you a list of seven different things that Ellen Pompeo did that were wrong. Mm-hmm. She starts crying halfway through it, which... <laughs> Most clips cut out there because as they should, because it suddenly becomes about how, what an emotional labor it was for her to say that. Uh And like, sure. Yeah, it was hard, but don't cry about it. It it minimizes your point so much in that moment, in that moment where there are people of color around you who are actually experiencing it. You don't don't cry. Oh no. She also, when Gabrielle Union starts to explain uh, how powerful it was for Ellen Pompeo to do that. Ellen Pompeo starts talking over her being like, but that's why I have to. That's why it's important. It's like, let Gabrielle Union speak, please. 
Mm-hmm. But I could list all the flaws, of which there are still more, but it's still an important thing that she did. Absolutely. While I do say it a lot and sometimes say it in a joking manner, it's obviously something that stuck with me. Yeah. And like, who else is doing that? Yeah. There are very few people who I think consistently, and even before most people learned about racism in June, even before Black Lives Matter was a hot button issue, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. She is a person who I do remember being a very active ally. Well, and there are certainly people on the internet who can list all the things she did before her sort of racial awakening. Totally. And, and uh, it does not take a lot of work to find them. No. <laughs> but she's also done a lot of good. I do want to point out some of the things that Gabrielle Union points out in this. Mm-hmm is she talks a lot about how she would never feel comfortable saying that in such a mixed space. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how she actually had sort of discussed some of the like glaring inequities in inequities um, with her team. And then she brings about a really good point that Ellen Pompeo kind of disputes that I really do disagree with because I don't think that Ellen Pompeo would be that way, but she, you know, maybe she's realized this now. Gabrielle Union talks about how very secure Ellen Pompeo's check is mm-hmm. and how, I, I don't quite remember the exact language she used, but she talks a lot about like the idea of like, she does have the stability to say those things. Right. She has the safety net and she has the clout because she has been the face of a long-running network, the longest-running network TV show. Yes. And so, yeah, Gabrielle Union is correct. Like, she can say that, and it's good that she did say it, but also her saying it is way less of a risk even than another white ally saying it. Which, not to absolve Emma Roberts, but that is something to consider totally. with why Emma Roberts is so silent. Totally. It, she shouldn't be in that much, especially after there are so many people giving her permission. Right. But I, I think if I had to guess, I think that has more to do with fear than anything. Uh, I'll put a link to this video in our show notes That'll be a good in idea. case people want to have any idea what we're talking about, because we are breaking down <laughs> beat by beat what happens in this round table from three years ago. But I, I do wish that Ellen Pompeo didn't dispute that so much mm. because because she doesn't have a ton to lose. It is good for her that she said it. The truth is she doesn't know if she would do that because it's been so when she's been doing that show at that point, she'd been doing the show for 15 years. Mm-hmm. If you've had the same steady, well-paying job for 15 years, you, you don't know what you would do in this situation. You don't. And frankly, where she has worked in settings with more people of color with probably like one of the most diverse television show environments that she could possibly have. Like, I don't actually know that she would be in such a drastically different place in, you know, had 15 years ago, she not booked that job. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me that Gabrielle Union brings that point up about Ellen Pompeo's incredibly secure paycheck, because as you mentioned, Shonda Rhimes and particularly Grey's Anatomy has one of the most and has had for the 17 years that it's been running, one of the more diverse casts on network television. And from the min- the less information that I know about her crew and about her writing team and about her producerial team, 
there's also a lot of diversity there. And it makes sense to me that because Ellen Pompeo has had that experience for the last 17 years at this time of the video, the last 15 years or whatever, because she's had this experience for the last 15 years, it stands to reason that she has, for lack of a better term, been at a prince party. Yes. She's been at a prince party for the last 15 years. And she got a text that said, you're invited to Prince's party. And in Prince's nice house and at his great, awesome party, it's probably very easy to say the things that she says. And not that she should stop saying them. I think it's absolutely correct what she's doing. But it is easy for her to speak from a place of diversity when that is her workplace. She went to Prince's party and she wasn't hanging out in whatever corner of the room was trying to get Justin Timberlake up on stage. She was hanging out in whatever corner of the room Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston were in. Like Mm -hmm. she, Ellen, and this is an elaborate metaphor, but like Ellen Pompeo exposed herself to those things and learned about those things. I, there are two, we, I do not want to drift too, too far away from Gabrielle Union because I don't want to like take away this black actress's work and suddenly dedicate it to a white woman's space. But we talk about Grey's Anatomy all the time. And Ellen Pompeo talks about what it was like when Debbie Allen started working on Grey's Anatomy and how Mm -hmm. Debbie Allen encouraged them to have a healthier work balance, how they could work shorter shifts. Like she really helped them figure out how to add balance to their life. And I think it seems like Debbie Allen has been a huge mentor for Ellen Pompeo, probably even more than like Shonda Rhimes has been for her. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's really telling about the people she exposed herself to. Mm -hmm. And was exposed to through this job. Jesse Williams once in an interview said, someone asked him like, how does the Grey's Anatomy cast feel about all of your activism and and the work that you do. And he said, you know, different people are at different levels. You can opt in or out of as much as you want. And I think a lot about, I don't want to put this on anyone because I don't know anybody's life, but I think about Justin Chambers' very swift exit from the show. Mm-hmm. I think about other people's very swift exit from the show, a show that was designed to give a really, really inclusive environment Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that was hard for some, some people were invited to Prince's party and hung out in a corner with only the white people. Yeah. And therefore we're not invited back. <laughs> yeah. The next time he was renting a house. And, and I think that uh, Shonda Rhimes is a more discerning host than Prince. I think Prince welcomes a lot of people back into his life <laughs> or so it seems from these parties and um, Shonda Rhimes less so. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I don't know. McDreamy showed up in a couple episodes at the beginning of uh, season you know 17. So. Maybe she learned to forgive. Oh, God. Well, Carol, I think it's time to play our actual favorite game, Six Degrees of Donnie Cheeds. Oh, Don Cheadle. Where we take this week's author, Gabrielle Union, and we find a way to connect her to the great star of The Chameleon of so many projects, a true artist. I was going to say an actor's actor. An actor's actor. He's going to show up and he's going to give you something great. You're never going to be bored, sad to see Don Cheadle pop up in something. You're never going to be like, oh man, I got to watch Don Cheadle now. I don't know why I keep trying to autofill. I feel like T9. Oh, okay. T9. Do you want me to go first? I have one, but you can go first. Yes. Gabrielle Union held hands in prayer with Ludacris at Prince's party. Ludacris made the same unfortunate decision 
as Don Cheadle to appear in the film Crash. Oh, I've been trying to get Crash. Uh, I Part of me was like, should I go the whole season without ever mentioning Crash? You know, I could have. Oh, you could have done Crash last week. I noticed yeah, that as Sandra I was Bullock. going through because of Sandy Bullock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to bring up the, the one and only film Crash, which is one of the worst movies ever made. I love your Six Degrees. Here is mine. It is also short. Gabrielle Union appears in 10 Things I Hate About You with Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles appears in Mona Lisa Smile with Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts is in the Oceans movies with Don Cheadle. The Ocean movies, really, really a, a key player in this. Well, every dude has been in them. so it's Everyone, like, everyone has been in them. Yeah. Kara, can we franchise this? I want to read any and everything that Gabrielle Union has written and will ever write. I want her to write a script. Like I want I want her to write her own stories because she has such a good voice, like yeah. such a clear voice. And this is ignorant of me. If she has already done that, I will look that up and put it in the show notes if I am wrong. But my note here is franchise literally anything Gabrielle Union wants. Like please. I trust her judgment completely. She has written a children's book as well. Hmm. Um I think a lot uh I don't I don't remember it entirely, but I think it was written sort of around the subject of Zaya and supporting all kids and loving them no matter what. That's awesome. I, I do. I do remember seeing that. Yes. I don't have a negative thing to say about her. No, I feel so connected to her after reading this. It's, mm. this is the way that I hope to feel after reading a book is that like, I will ride for this person now 10 times harder than I would have before they picked up their, before I picked up their book. That's how I felt about Mariah Carey. Yeah. Who I was always just like a very casual fan of. Yeah. And I, I think I would agree. I think I have a casual relationship with Gabrielle Union, but positive. And now it's just, it's so much more than that. This is probably the book I would most me- recommend to our listeners to read. Amazing. Well, Kara, yes. you are reading next week's book. So I would love to hear from you our final game. Guess that author. Can you give me three clues about the book we're reading next week? I surely can. Friends, next week's author, you have seen. This person has been in something that you have seen. I can say that with almost 100% certainty. Mm. Your second clue is, person has co-starred in a film with two authors we've previously covered on Celebrity Book Club. And your third clue is that she is on the board for a chimpanzee sanctuary in North Georgia, where I have volunteered. Wow. Mm-hmm. If you have a guest for next week's author, you can find us at Celeb Book Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Kara can be found on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Kpro. That's underscore K-A-Y-P-R-O. Carrie can be found on Twitter and Instagram at CFOST Talks A Lot. That's the letter C-F-O-S-T Talks A Lot. Thanks for listening to Celebrity Book Club.